The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Praise the Lord. Come on, can somebody give Jesus a lot of shout in the house this morning? Come on, I thought you would do better than that. Can you lift up your hands and give him a great shout in the house this morning? He's worthy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you so much, Pastor T, Pastor Ina. I appreciate the opportunity to be here this morning. Is anybody ready for God's word? Anybody ready for God's word? Hallelujah. Help me give your neighbor a high five and you can have your seat this morning. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. I just turned to Pastor Lair and I said there is such an anointing in the house this morning. Glory, glory, glory. And we believe God for a greater pouring of the Spirit. Can somebody say amen to that? Can you just grab a hold of your neighbor's hand this morning and let's just stand in agreement. Father, we thank you because wherever you are, your presence is mighty in that place to remove burdens and destroy yokes. So we submit ourselves under your anointing. And we expect to be lifted this morning. Let the word of God come freely, not limited or hindered or stopped in any way. Let there be deliverance. Let there be breakthrough. Let there be salvation. Let there be healings. Let the word of God have free cause in this place and be glorified in the name of Jesus. Father, for this we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, shout a believing amen. Ah, I'm so excited. Hallelujah. You know, when I got in this morning, the Lord just tweaked my message a bit, and uh, we're just going to flow with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Can somebody say amen to that? You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, Paul was sharing with the church about the gifts of the Spirit, and he went into a lot of details about how we need to understand the spiritual things that happen in the church. And after he had finished talking about the gifts of the Spirit, Paul began to talk about the benefit of us as a body of Christ, understanding the different parts that we play in the body, because not everybody can be the nose, because everybody's the nose, and how would the body eat? And not everybody can be the hand, because everybody's the hand, and how else would the body be able to do anything else that it needs to do? And then Paul went into detail about how when we come together as the body of Christ to fellowship in a service like this, it can be an outpouring of the Spirit, it can be prophecy, it can be gifts and interpretation, and how the church can be edified and how people who don't even know Christ can come to understand Christ and be raised and be blessed. So having talked about the glory in a sense of the gifts of the Spirit and the benefit of the body of Christ taking its place, everybody doing its part, everybody fulfilling its role, Paul got to the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and that's verse 31, and he said to them, but earnestly desire the best gifts. He says, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. Somebody say a more excellent way. Paul says, you know, they have talked about gifts. I've talked about operating in diverse kinds of gifts. I've talked about operating in your ministry gift, whether you're an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher. You're operating in miracle signs and wonders. Paul kind of lists all of these things and talks about the glory of operating in these things. And it comes to a place and says, I will show you a more excellent way to operate. I will show you a more mature way to operate. I will show you a higher level of operation than this gift I just talked about. I will show you a higher level of operation than even so to say, walking in your ministry office. Somebody say a more excellent way. Come 
turn to your neighbor and say, this is a more excellent way we're talking about this morning. A more excellent way. And then Paul goes into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and begins to talk about the love of God. You see, a lot of times we have experiences with love on the earth. Maybe love from your spouse, love from your mom, your dad, love from your neighbor, love from a colleague at work. Maybe you're in school, love from a classmate. We experience all kinds of love and sometimes we get it mixed up. So when I talk about the love of God, I like to emphasize the Greek word agape so that we can see the love of God has been higher than the love of man. I mean, we're just talking about love this morning. Hallelujah. You know, and when our sister was talking about the favorite Amala joint she likes to go to in town, I said the single men should take note. Hallelujah. Because if you have any interest, then you need to be interested in Amala. Am I right? And you need to know the joints that she likes to go so that when you want to take her out, you can refer to the joint. Instead of taking her to some Chinese restaurant, why not go to the Amala joint that she likes? Now, someone like me, I don't eat Amala, so it's not for me. Amen. And I already have a ring. Glory to God. But for all the single men in the house who feel that they are at that level, that they can toast our sister, amen? Because not everybody's at that level. Then, you know, get into Amala, amen? <laughs> Glory to God. We're talking about the more excellent way this morning, am I right? So there's a more excellent way. There's a higher level that you can operate in, right? And that higher level is the way of love. That higher level is the way of agape. Somebody say agape this morning. There is something stronger than the love that you have between you and your spouse. Something stronger than the love that you have between you and your dad or your siblings. All right, if you have any. Something stronger than the love you have with work colleagues. Something stronger than the love you have for your neighbor. All right, it's called agape. It's the love of God. It's a, it's a love that is so great that when God searched through the heavens, he gave us his most prized gift, the greatest possession. You know, I like to tell them in church that, you know, sometimes when... I don't know why I'm going back into this relationship thing. But you know, a guy wants to kind of get into a girl's life. And then he starts out slow. He kind of starts out at the beginning. You know, he, he maybe buys a lunch from outside church when there's no fasting and prayer going on. Amen. And says, let me just buy something for you to eat after service. You know, he kind of starts there. And then maybe he takes it up. Okay, let me take you out to a restaurant and spend a bit more money. And then when, you know, maybe Valentine, if you do Valentine or maybe her birthday comes, he, he takes it up a notch and gets her a better gift. Am I right? Any witness in the house this morning, or maybe your guy didn't do that, amen, we need to review his credentials. All right? But hardly would a guy look at you and say, I'm interested in this lady, and just go to Honda place and just get you a brand new car. Hardly. They normally start from, now if your guy just turns up with a Honda car and says, you know, babe, let's talk. Ah, hallelujah. <laughs> Quickly say, Pastor T, a text. <laughs> Pastor T, something is happening here. People don't start at this level. But you know what? God wanted to show you how much he loved you. And God didn't say, let me first send you some coins, some cover. No, no, no. God looked at everything and said, no, I'm going to start with Jesus. I'm going to start with Jesus. And that's why Romans 5 says, God has already demonstrated his love towards you in the sacrifice of Jesus. There's some people now say, I asked God for a car. He didn't give me a car. God doesn't love me. What are you talking about? God already landed, bah, and I say, Romans 8.32, having given up his son freely, what shall he not with him give you? He said he has given you the most prized possession, and then you are there thinking you want to collect 1,000 naira. I can give you 1,000 naira now, it's not a big deal. So how much more God? Some people are thinking. 
thinking I want a new job. God doesn't love me enough because I didn't get the job I wanted. What are you talking about? God has given you his most prized possession. Now as believers, somebody say I'm a believer. All right, if you're a believer, say I'm a believer. As believers, we believe and receive and we know the love that God has towards us. That's where we kick it off, man. That's the, the more excellent way is to look at that love and accept it and believe it and know it. That when God came into my life and accepted the sacrifice of Jesus, it was all. He came in big. God didn't come in like all these bomb boys that will first buy you sweets from the shop. And say, let me see how she will respond first before I give her something bigger. No. God came big. God came big. Come and turn to your name and say, God came big. He came big. And that's why 1 John 4.19 tells us, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Our revelation of the love that God has for us impacts our ability to love him back. If your revelation is on this level about how much God loves you, that is the level you are going to be operating in in loving God back. That's it. If you are thinking this is how much God loves you, then this is how much you are going to love him back. So we soak ourselves in the knowledge of the love that God has for us. We seek a revelation of the love that God has for us. And it's not enough for you to pack your load at John 3.16. Because it was John 3.16 they told you 20 years ago when you got saved. You need to have gone to go and find out more things from the scriptures about the love of God for you. You need to understand it for yourself, not just something that somebody told you on pulpit. If all you know about how much God loves you is what you've heard from the pulpit, brother, sister, you need to go back home, open your Bible, and say, Holy Spirit, show me how much God loves me. Because until you understand how much God loves you, the love that flows from you will be limited. How can we ever fulfill as Christ also loved the church? If we don't fully understand how Christ loves the church. A husband cannot really be the best husband in the world until he understands loving his, until he understands as Christ loved the church. Because his love your wife as Christ also loved the church. Until you catch the revelation of as Christ loved the church, you cannot fully step into how Christ wants you to love your spouse. Shandala Bakasa. So our spirituality. Ah. If you're a husband here and you are very spiritual, you understand how Christ loves the church, your wife will be doing thanksgiving every Sunday. But the reason why some husbands can misbehave and misyearn and mistalk and misgive and miss so many things is because they don't understand as Christ loves the church. Our revelation of his love is reflected in how much we love him and how much of his love is reflected through us to others. From that love that we've received, we're able to love God, we're able to love others as well. We're able to love God, we're able to love others as well. Some of us don't realize that the, the kind of life we're living, the way we carry it about ourselves, is a revelation of the end times. Matthew
Matthew 24 verse 12 says this. And because lawlessness will abound in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Somebody say the last days. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 4. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Somebody say the last days. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is the bishop over a church. Glory to God. Bye, Pastor C. Alright. Timothy is a bishop over a church. Now, so Paul is not writing to unbelievers. Is somebody with me this morning? Paul is writing to who? Christians. Paul is writing to people in the church. Look at what he's telling them. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. Look at that last line. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Some people don't know that their self-centered attitude is the fulfillment of the scriptures. Some people don't realize that their inability to love God at the right level is what Paul was telling Timothy will happen in the last days. Some people will get there and they will prefer themselves over God. They will love themselves more than they love God. If it wasn't going to happen, Paul would not be warning Timothy about it. But look at what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 3. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. So everyone who loves God is someone that God has pulled to himself. Because you can't just love him without him getting involved. The unbelievers can't love him unless God gives them a way to come into his life. So everyone that God has given a way to come into his family has an ability to love God. And so from our revelation of the love that God has for us, we're able to love him. And listen to me, love is not just in words. If a man keeps telling you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and there is no other action besides his words, you need to run for your life. If all he can say is I love you in 199 languages from 199 countries in the world and he never drops anything, sister, he's not serious about it. Because Google can tell you I love you in all those languages. Google, I tell you, I love you. But when someone begins to demonstrate his love for you, when someone begins to buy you gifts or begins to speak your love language, then you know that there's something happening here. This person is making a commitment. This person is making a sacrifice. So 1 Corinthians 8.3 says, If anyone loves God, God recognizes them. They stand out from the crowd. How many of you know that God loves everyone? He causes the sun to shine on everyone. He causes the rain to fall on everyone. Jesus died for everyone. Am I right? So God loves all of us. God loves all of us that are in church this morning and God loves the people that are not in church this morning. God loves the people who have a hangover from partying all night from yesterday night to this morning. God loves them. And he loves them the same way he loves us. Jesus died for us just the same. Am I right? But there are people that are known by God. A people who love God. A people who do what? Who love God. 
And our love for him is not just demonstrated in words. It's not those nice songs that, you know, people kind of write in Nigeria or nice songs that come from overseas that demonstrate how much we love God. It is the things that we are doing every day that demonstrate how much we love God. Because I don't just love my wife on Valentine's Day. I have to love my wife all year. I demonstrate my love all the time. My lifestyle is meant to reflect the love that I have for her. Romans 8.28 says this about those who love God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this about those who love God. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. If you truly love God, your life will be distinguished. All things work together for good to those who love God. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. He has not yet come to the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. Loving him makes you stand out from the crowd. God loves everyone. So why are you going to stand out? I stand out by loving him back. I stand out from the crowd by demonstrating my love for God. I stand up from the crowd by being the first person past the book when God needs someone to do something. It's not just about words. Let me give you an example from the scriptures. Jesus shared a story. There were two sons. The father asked the first son, go to the farm and do some work for me. The son said, I will go. But then he did not go. The father asked the second son, go and do some work for me. The second son said, I'm not going to go. But then he went and did the work. And Jesus asked them, which one of them was the, was the one that did right? He said, the second son. He said, no. But what did he do? He did the work. So even though his words were wrong, his actions were right. It's not enough for us to say, I love God. Your actions are showing the world whether or not you love God. Your actions are showing the world whether or not you love God. They are those who love God. A different people, a different breed. Abraham was one of such people. He stood out. Abraham loved the Lord. God said, I know Abraham. He will teach his children after me. I can't hide anything from him. David stood out. David stood out. One day, David just said, how can I be living in my house? And God is living in a tent. I will build him a house. And God said, all the time I've walked on the earth, Nobody has ever said they will build me a house. Did I ask you for a house? Did I tell you that heaven is small, but you want to build me a house? You thought of building me a house all by yourself? Says I will make sure somebody in your loins will always sit on the throne. And to keep his word, Jesus came from the loins of David. Why? Because you just thought of building me a house. When Solomon was going to build the temple, man, he did not, Moses received the details of the tabernacle of meeting from God. Solomon just sat down and crafted the most expensive building for God. When Solomon became king, he went to God and said, look, you've made me king over your people, your precious people. I don't want to mess this up. Give me wisdom to manage your people. And God looked at him and said, my goodness, you could have asked for anything, 
but you ask for wisdom to do the work of God. Think about it. You could have asked me for anything, but you asked for wisdom to do the work of God. Can you imagine being an usher and you're going to God and saying, God, I want to be a better usher. Give me wisdom for ushering. And God is like, ah, uh, James is asking me for a new car. Uh, Moredike is asking for a husband. You're asking for wisdom to be an usher. Shanda. This person is different. This person is different. Maybe it's never crossed your mind to ask God for such a thing. Please, can somebody send me a note with how much time I have left? For it is an everlasting gospel. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Solomon stood out. He ensured that excellence was demonstrated in the temple of God. Another queen came and when she saw everything, she fainted. She fainted. You know, there are some things people do that it's not because they are pastor's favorite. But pastor will come out on pulpit and talk about what they did. Excellence. Excellence. It's not favoritism. It's not that pastor does not want to be fair. But there are some things that make you distinguished. Some things make you stand out from the crowd. You don't do them to make pastor happy. You don't do them to make your head of department happy. You do them to make God happy. You do them to make God happy. You know, I was having a chat with uh, Pastor Shondia. Thank you very much. I was having a chat with Pastor Shondia. Okay. I was having a chat with Pastor Shondia yesterday about someone who had done so much for the kingdom of God and then towards the end made some mistakes and they just messed up his, you know, name, messed up his ministry, everything. And I kind of said to him, I said, at the end of the day, heaven will really reveal. Heaven will reveal where this person stands. Heaven will reveal. Because people will make mistakes. In this work that we're doing for God, you will sometimes get people step on your toes, scratch your skin, pull your hair. There will be room for offense. But you know what? We're not doing it for the people. We're not doing it for the people. I can assure you, I mean, I report to Dr. K, but I'm not doing it for Dr. K. I'm not doing it for Dr. K. Okay, woke up tomorrow morning and said he's no more doing church. He won't even move me one bit. I mean, I'll be moved in terms of, you know, empathy that, ah, we need to fast and pray for Dr. K, you understand? <laughs> but it won't make me think, ah, where do I stand? How am I? No. My focus is on loving God. I love him because he first loved me. He first loved me. I mean, there were many people that were here when God told me to join Kingsford, but some of them are not here today. None of these things move me. My focus is on God. What is your assignment in church? I know you had service dinner yesterday. Everybody was all dressed up, looking good. I saw some pictures on Instagram. Ah, I wanted to get crashed, but I said, if only bounced me at the entrance. No, I'm just kidding. I was resting. You know? And I looked at that. I said to one of the guys who picked me up this morning, I said, ah, so you ate the food, you drank the drink, looked all nice. I said, now nah, it's time for the next round of work. We fed you now. Hallelujah. That food will carry you for another year. Am I right? Can somebody shout hallelujah? We fed you for one night. That food is meant to take you for another year. It's like the food Elijah ate that the angels gave him. After he ate it, he went for six weeks. So the dinner we gave you yesterday night is to take you for another year to the next dinner. And if we get to 2021 and there is no dinner, 
get offended with us? No. Because it's not about us. It's about loving God. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I hear. Peter loved him. Paul loved him. John, they called him the beloved. They loved him. Peter made some mistakes. Man, people make mistakes in ministry. If you are not, if you are thinking that we are above flaws, you are wrong. Peter denied him three times. Three times. After the third time and the cock crowed, he said, ah, what have I done? He went to cry. But when Jesus saw him, he said, Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, I love you more than this. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me more than these? I love you more than this. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me more than this? I love you more than this. Feed my sheep. He was restored. Restored. He was restored. Your love for God must be greater than your love for anything else. And your love for God leads to actions that are in God's interest. We're not after fame. We're not after money. We're not after numbers. We're after God. We love God. We pursue God. And all those things follow after us. All those things follow after us. David said, I will not give God something that costs me nothing. He had love and honor for God. He loved God so much, he decided he would build him a house. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. His whole life had been dedicated and surrendered to the one he loved. All these people were all sold out to God. Paul even went as far as saying, the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You cannot give God excellence in service if you don't truly love him with everything that you have. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You know, some people think that if they chase God's kingdom first, that they're going to lose out. Like the sacrifice will be too much. But every one of us needs to make a sacrifice at our level. It's a sacrifice. I'm a bivocational pastor. That means I have a day job besides being the senior pastor of Kingswood, London. That means that on most nights, I am awake till 12 or 1 a.m. in the morning. Because when I finish the day job, I will come home, I will do the daddy job, I will do the husband job, and then I will also do the church job. So most days, I sleep five hours a day. Some days, four. All right? And I still have to find time to play. Am I right? So that when I come to Lagos, I don't look like I'm twice my age. <laughs> I have to relax. Everybody has a sacrifice to make. It doesn't matter what role you are playing in church. There will be a sacrifice. There will be a level of comfort you have to give up. Financially, there will be a level of comfort you have to give up. My family and I, we gave so much that the tax office came and said, look, because you are giving all this money, we are just going to change your tax code to reflect all this giving. Your giving is consistent every year. So we'll just change your tax code, which means that I get paid more money because I've given so much. Sacrifice. There is a level of comfort you are going to have to give up with. If you're going to truly live a life that is distinguished in service, there's a level of sacrifice. This is my last scripture for this service. John 14, 31. Jesus is the one speaking. He says, but that the world may know that I love the Father. As the Father gave me commandment, so I do. 
arise. Let us go from here. That the world may know that I love the Father. Let me tap your neighbor this morning and say to them for me, tap your neighbor, tap your neighbor. Some people had a long night. Tap your neighbor for me this morning and say to them, it is not a private thing. It's not a private thing. It's a private, not a private thing. You see, when boys don't go and talk to girls, we call it a crush. They're just loving her from afar. It's a crush. It's not serious. When it's serious, you go and talk. You will bring something. You will bring offering to give her. You understand? Jesus said, listen to Jesus, that the world may know that I love the Father. Let me ask your neighbor, do we know that you love God in church? Do we know? We, we that are in church. Let's not talk about the world. Do, the person next to you, do they know that you love God? That the world may know that I love the Father. What is it that you are doing in church today? As a believer, I'm not talking about the pastor. If you see me most times in London, I will introduce myself without my office. As a child of God, does the world know that you love the Father? Holding faith and a pure conscience. Holding faith and a pure conscience. Somebody say, I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. And it makes me distinguished in this world. Can you rise to your feet this morning? Or actually, no, just stay seated because of time. Thank you very much. Just stay seated. Just bow your heads, everyone. Can somebody just play on the keyboard? Two minutes. Hallelujah. I just want to pray for you this morning. You've been hurt in your time of service in church, outside church. And it's affected how you serve. It's affected how you serve God. It's affected how much you love God. Wherever you are this morning, I want you to lift up your hands. I'm just going to say a word of prayer for you. You've been hurt for whatever reason. Please, heads bowed, eyes closed. Lift up your hands. Father, I thank you for the hands that are raised. And I pray for them this morning that your love will abound more and more in their hearts. That they will be healed of these hurts, these pains, these offenses. And every stronghold in their minds that is keeping them from letting go of the hurts and the pains and the offenses will be broken this morning in the name of Jesus. That they will be free to serve, to love, to worship, to adore you. And I thank you, Father, because this moment they are free by reason of the anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. If you are here this morning, you are sick in your body, just lift up your hands. I want to pray for you. Wherever you are, there's a symptom of sickness in your body. Thank you for those hands that are raised. Father, I thank you for these people. Christ has redeemed them from the curse of sickness and disease. I declare right now that you are healed in the name of Jesus. I speak to sicknesses and diseases of long continuance. I declare thus far you will go and no further in the name of Jesus. I call you healed from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. I speak to organs, to ligaments, to bones. I speak to sinews, to flesh, to muscles. I declare be healed. I speak to skins. I declare be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Finally, you are here. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email 
KMIAfrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-00640.